Good morning. Good morning. Marie-Pierre, you let me know if uh, my hair is interfering with the microphone again. <laughs> Yesterday she wrote to me, she goes, your hair, tired of hair. Anyways, guys, I'm so, so excited. We just closed a most phenomenal May and June. And the reason we keep, we keep saying May and June, because the weeks didn't quite balance like last year. And if you want to do, do a proper comparison, we needed to compare the nine weeks to the nine weeks. And Melanie Miller, we landed it with five $500,000 increase, half a million dollar increase against all odds because the confinement has been re uh, lifted, uh, masks have been removed. So now we are in the real Tupperware world. And it was, it was very exciting for me because I love a challenge. It was very exciting for me to see how we were going to deal with this massive change. And guys, you just blew it out of the water. And once again, our quarterback is shining loud and proud, being number one amongst the Anglos and in the top three in the entire world, Melanie. I have to say in the world. I mean, who else has the numbers you guys have, okay? And it sounds so much like, wow, yes, in the world. Why, why, why is this happening in our business? Because in reading yesterday's segment, we actually are going to do two chapters today with Leaders Eat Last. We're talking about the, the book of uh, Simon Sinek, and I absolutely love it because it's directly in line with how I see my business, how I see everything I, I've been doing for the last 40 years, and how the people I work with um, see what we are doing together. And for me, it's always been part of my life and Mohammed too. Nobody is dispensable. So Dr. Melanie Miller will share how World War I generation was all about servanthood, was all about serving others versus the baby boomers, which in installed a switch into everything is disposable, including people. So I'm very looking forward, Melanie Miller, on you covering this segment. Now think think about everything she's going to be saying. Take notes if you're a leader of a business or in a multi-level marketing business. It's very important you hear what she is going to say. And I find that Simon Sinek absolutely lays it out exactly as it was. Marie-Pierre Tetro was very challenging what she needed to do because in her segment, we talked about the being disposable and we talked about conversations like we're having right now 
with replacing it with technology. Who remembers the era of the Pac-Man and all those uh, Atari? Yeah. Okay, all those of my world. That was the beginning, you know, the 80s. This was the beginning of, uh, I'm not going to go out with you, Melanie Miller. We're not going to talk, Melanie Miller. We're each going to play in our own computer and we're going to see who gets the most score with, you know, uh, Atari or, you know, whatever, whatever came along the way. So this was the beginning of that. And, and that became the main focus. And we'll understand how leaders play a very big role in this. So with no further ado, take it away, Melanie Miller. Okay. She always catches me. I like, I'm ready to turn my microphones on. Anyway, good morning, everybody. Now I want you to think Great Gatsby. If I say Great Gatsby, what does it conjure up in your mind? It conjures up young men with cars, with abundance of money, a luxury life. And that was what was happening in the 1920s. We had an abundance of affluence. There was lots and lots of um, innovations. We started to have electrics. We had telephones, people started to have cars. And so from the nine, during the 1920s, what happened was uh, the, the uh, economic situation in America seemed to be amazing. It was growing. It was somewhere you wanted to be. And then on uh, October 29th, 1929, there was a big crash. And what happened was everything got back to be balanced because nature does not like when everything grows, 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 and there isn't a counterbalance. But that balance was huge. That correction was huge. And what happened to America was it went into an age of austerity. It went into an age where you know, before they had started to uh, not worry about what they were wasting, to suddenly realizing you couldn't waste anything. There was a huge loss of jobs. There were many, many people unemployed. And guess what happened? What happened was everyone started to work together. Everybody started to work for the greater good. Everybody started to make sure their neighbors were okay. It was a time where the company put where the country pulled together it was the great depression and of course the kids that had been born in the 20s they didn't get time to appreciate um, the life of the 20s they were plunged straight into this depression and then that depression continued until 1941 when there was the bombing in pearl harbor and the Americans suddenly woke up to the fact that there was a war going on. There was a world war and that they perhaps should be part of it. And it was easy for them because they were used to working together. They were used to looking at the greater good. So off they went to war. And during 1941 to 1946, you have never seen, well, apart from in uh, the other countries at war, but in the US, everybody came together. Didn't matter whether you were white, brown, black, whether you were female or male, suddenly 
everybody belonged to this fantastic society that were fighting together. It's happened before. I, when I read this, I can't imagine why it can't happen now, but that's a story for another day. So they worked together and everybody worked for the greater good. And then from 1946 to 1964, something truly amazing happened. There were lots of babies born, lots and lots and lots and lots. In fact, 76 million new uh, babies were born from 1946 to 1964, which is officially the end of the baby, bo baby boomer. Now, the people before were called the greatest, uh, the greatest, I can't remember the word now, but anyway, they were the greatest people uh, of uh, America. And then we moved into the era of the baby boomers. And the baby boomers, when I tell you there were a lot of babies born, there were 40% more people added to the population. If you compare that to 1964 to 1984, the population increased by 25%. So that will give you an idea of how much was happening. There was a massive increase in population and the boomer generation when they got to teenage, 1964, they, they became, you know, the, the entitled nation in a way. What happened was they had grown up their children. They wanted to give them everything. So the hippie, that nation, that era, out of the austerity parents, why? Because now there was an abundance once again, like never before. And when there's an abundance, you don't value it. You discard it. You waste it. I'm a boomer. I was born in 1959. Um, and although I'm grateful to say I wasn't born in the States, I was born in the UK. I remember the Americans in uh, the boomers as they got bigger. They were loud. They had the biggest, the best, everywhere you went in Europe. All you could hear was Americans bragging about how they'd done Europe in one day. And it was, it was a time where the Americans were, were huge, huge in every sense. They were huge because the economics was huge. And you know, what happened to those boomers as they grow older is they wanted to keep all the wealth, all the affluence that they had. And by 1964, they were entering into an era where they were disillusioned with government. The Nixon um, scandal sort of blew things away. There were lots of civil rights that were happening and they were happy to support those and they made a lot of great changes to the US. But unfortunately, they lost their way. They started to think about it was more important to protect the way they lived rather than the life of the nation. And so as they began to think more about me, they became a, a um, 
nation of me thinkers. And people who are me thinkers, they're not thinking about the greater good. They're just thinking about the individualism. They didn't trust the government. They, they just became self-centered. And that happened in the workplace as well. There was no balance possible from the older generation because they were overrun by baby boomers. There were so many of them, so many of them wanting to take control. And by the 1970s, the Vietnam War was over, the Nixon scandal was concluded, globalization was increasing, and there was a revolution in Iran which affected the Americans. Thus came the beginning of the massive racism against the Islam nation. Protectionism arrived. People started to think more about what's in it for me. They looked inward instead of outward. They didn't want to belong. They wanted to be individual. They wanted to be the best. They wanted to have the best. The wealth started increasing. The boomers became more and more influential as they get older. They became politicians and now they wouldn't uh, be in a, a situation where they would agree with the opposition. As a matter of course, they had to oppose the opposition. There was no chance of, of uh, collaboration. There was no balance. The entitled boomers just wanted more and they had the control. And so now I'm going to pass over to Marie-Pierre, who is going to tell us a little bit more about how all that developed. Yes, so we go into the next chapter. So that is the uh, chapter 12 of the boomers all grown up now. So that's the era of the dis dis disposable things. So disposable technology took root with the baby boomer. And that's when we started to look for more things to throw out. And eventually it ended up expanding to people. So people started becoming disposable and we are anonymous customer, lines on the email list, avatar and expenses on a spreadsheet. So when did all this begin? So it started on August 5th in 1981 when the, U, um, the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, fired a 11,000 people traffic controller. So that was a moment in time that everyone in the country, it was the approval from the country leadership then and authority that the easy mass firing were okay for good business. So now everyone could be easily laid off and serve to improve the number. So, and Maria told us a story yesterday about herself. <laughs> Not at the same level, but it's, it's fun to hear about it. So the example with Maria in the past, so it was many years ago, I don't remember it. So it was at least 10 years ago, I think. So they were at the studio and during that time, we were over 150 person in the studio and everyone was in a rush at the end of the event. And Maria answered to a customer, not with love as we know her now. <laughs> and in this particular moment, this uh, the way she answered to the customer, it gave the permission to all those directors that see her to answer the same way. 
So we want to make sure that yes, we still treat people with love no matter what. So yes, we can be in a rush. That doesn't mean that we can and speak to people not with love. So we want to make sure that we don't treat people like numbers because many businesses seem to forget that people are people and numbers are numbers. So as a result, they lose touch with the people side of their business. And why it's really a bad idea? It's people who will work for us. It's people that would buy from us. It's people that will recommend us, recommend us and it's people that will help us. Never numbers. So when a business starts regarding people simply as number on a spreadsheet, customer base or email mailing list, it becomes disconnected from those people and this is madness. So each client, each customer, potential client, reader, follower and contact you have is unique. These people have feelings, they have good days, they have bad days, they have ups and downs, they have days where they want to cry with joy and they, where they want to cry with sorrow. These unique, imaginary, variable individuals are many things to many people, but they are not numbers. So always focus on the people behind the numbers that you use in your business and whenever possible, try to connect with them. So will this help you grow a business? Yes, possibly, and will transform the way you feel about your business and the way others feel about you? Definitely. Your business will always be better if you keep your people and you make sure that you value them at the right place in your organization. So how can we manage people and not numbers? So there are seven points, so you can take some notes. And of course, this document will be on the group, Eliminant des Diamants Inspirational Group on Facebook. So how can we manage people and not numbers? Number one, it's get to know your people. I think everyone can, oh yes, that makes sense. <laughs> and do it often. So I know that time is short and deadlines have to be met and our money number must be crunched, but take time with each person when you have the time to get to know them. Number two, it's catch them doing something right and tell them about it. I think it's an expression that I heard someone say over and over and over again. I think it's not here. <laughs> because too often as leader, we think that keeping people in line on task and afraid is the best way to make people get things done. Some of us are great at catching mistakes and pointing them out, usually in front of a crowd and at high volume. So we believe people will do what they are supposed to do and they will do it faster if they know they will get in trouble if they don't. But what if every once in a while we praise our people when we saw them doing a good job? For many leaders, this will take a complete shift in philosophy, but it's worth it. If you point it out in front of his peer and his customer something that he did right and be specific, I can guarantee you that yes, from now, 100% of the time, he will do that thing right and he will continue to get better at it. Number three, it's communicate the expectation and goals. So tell the team exactly what the goals are for the day or for the project and make the goals understandable and communicate how their success in achieving these goals will affect the big picture. So engage your people, let them know that they are important, an important part of the overall success of the company and they will deliver. And when they achieve the goal, celebrate it point it out, brag about your people to other leaders and team and create competition, have fun. You, your people will love coming to work every day. 
So you want to create that culture that everyone needs each other to be successful and everyone will understand to see the big picture in everyday task. Number four, it's always be training your replacement. Don't be afraid to delegate responsibility. If you're the hardest working person on your team, you're doing it wrong. I know it sounds crazy because we have been taught to work harder than the guy next to you, but as a leader, your most important job is developing your people. So when you have successfully learned about the members of your team, when you have caught them all doing something right, when you have observed, observed how they work together, you will find people that you want to develop. So now develop them and do it early and often. Number five, it's stop managing stuff and start managing people. Sometimes <laughs> lists and charts are necessary, but take a break. <laughs> stop watching the number on your computer. Stop being anxious about what will or won't happen. Get out there and engage. Offer solution and ask questions. Tell joke, be accessible, be approachable. You don't have to be the friendliest or the funniest person in the world to pull this up. So all you have to do is to let your people know that you're paying attention. Number six is be the leader. So for better or worse, what your people accomplish or don't accomplish is on you. You are responsible. <laughs> Too many people in a position of leadership will throw their people under the bus. This method of management only serves <laughs> to destroy your credibility with your team and with your superior. So if one of your people makes a mistake, the right way to handle it is to correct that person in private and to train them as to what to do instead. In the meantime, you must be the one to answer to your superior. And that's what a leader does. If you have your people's back, they will have yours. And number seven, it's focused on the most productive. So we all heard the, the term chasing your tail. So what about the idea of looking busy? <laughs> if you find yourself in a position where you're not sure what to do next, simply go engage with your people. Ask them if they need help, teach, teach them something they don't know, quiz them, tell them a funny story. Remember that most people can talk and use their hands at the same time. So working with your people is and will always be a productive use of your time. So when in doubt, there's all that's where you should go. So you will see the result in the bottom line. So yes, the world is changing rapidly and dramatically. So the way we do business is changing with it. And it's easy to think that people don't matter as much anymore because yes, there's machines that are doing much of the work, but yes, it may be true for some degree, but we humans still have a place in all of it. So as long as that remains the case, great leader will be the key to the success of every business. And likewise, the key to any leader's success will always be uh, his people. So stop managing the numbers and start managing your people. So I hope with those seven points, it gives you an idea how to make sure that we don't go into the disposable people. Uh, thank you, Marie-Pierre. And I'm going to have fun with you guys this morning, okay? I want you to write down one important point you took away so far. Okay, Marie-Pierre promised me you're going to make me that photocopy. I'm going to paste it, copy, paste it, and put it here everywhere in my office. Um, even if I know that we do it, it's still how will I remember to remember all the time what needs to be done. You see, to achieve success is long-term, and a lot of times we forget what brings us there.
And what brings us there all the time is when we work as a community together. Anyways, all that being said, I want to take two minutes to thank the Podbeam community uh, for welcoming every new member. Liz, Mathieu, all of you guys welcoming the new members. It is so important uh, whether we are being received in a home, whether we're being received on a podcast, whether we're being received on Facebook, to be very intentional as a community to say, hey, welcome, Joe, welcome, Mayflower, welcome, Melissa, welcome, welcome, great to see you here on the podcast. Number two, I want to thank everyone for sharing the link to join the private Facebook group, which is the Millionaire of the Diamonds, where you will find this document. Like, I, I don't understand people that are not on that group. <laughs> just to download the, the documents. And I, I, you know, thanks to uh, Think and Grow Rich, Melanie, I, I found myself finally a way to organize my information. So yes, we read the book. For those that can see on Zoom, I write. And then I put in the documents printed in the section where they're needed. So at any given time when I need to give a speech or I need to cover something or I'm looking for an idea, it's accessible and it's at the right place. Because in the beginning, I put them in a, a filing cabinet, I called it. But the problem with the information all filed in one filing cabinet, I have no clue which, which paper went with which story. So now it's all organized. So to close off what I would love to say, being 40 years in this multi-level marketing business, again and again, growth after growth, it is that we need to continue to behave like the boom before the bust. Okay, what Melanie T Miller talked about, World War I, we need to always pretend that we are in a crisis situation. We don't have to wait for a crisis situation to come together. How about if the crisis situation now is a community? So some of you are part of a religious community. Some of you are part of a skating community. My kids used to be part of a swing club community. I'm part of a multi-level multi community. How about if we simply behave in that community where we are at? And some people might be saying right now, but Maria, I'm not part of a community. Okay, you're home, you're home. Your home is the beginning of a community, right? We understand how the power of servanthood bring us together and holds us together. And it's the only way to build great things. Think about Henry Ford. Think about Edison. They're all part of the pre-boom uh, uh, era, before the bust. They came together under the name of a mastermind we call it today. And I love the book, Think and Grow Rich, because they talk about the mastermind groups. And it's the only way to thoroughly cooperate, cooperate together. So these, these efforts that we put together help develop one of the key ingredients to be successful. And that is, my friend Melanie Miller, persistence, relentlessness, consistency. How will you be persistent? How will you be relentless? How will you continue to do what you have to do unless you're part of a mastermind group. You see, our podcast is a mastermind group within, within, within a community. And Melanie Miller, I said it this morning to the, to the mastermind with Jean-Philippe and Sabrina, there's no way we would have held this, this, this podcast if we weren't part of a mastermind 
community. So sometimes I'm not feeling well. Marie-Pierre and Melanie are there to take over. Melanie leaves on, on, on vacation. Maria and Marie-Pierre are there. See, this is what allows relentlessness, consistency, and persistence to happen. We need to work together. We need leaders to be ready to serve in setting a formal example, never allowing us to slack off because every time I slacked off, it cost me a lot of directors misbehaving because of my example. Like, and it's not intentional. You hear the dogs, eh? Okay, hang on a second, hang on a second. I'm just gonna close the door. Okay, here we go. Okay, like, like, um, like President Reagan when he fired 11,000 people. It wasn't his intent, but my God, that he just gave permission to a lot a lot of companies to say it doesn't exist anymore to work for 35 years for a company, be proud to get a golden watch at the end and a wonderful retirement. He just erased all of that with one misbehavior. And there's four elements I took away from the mastermind. Common purpose. So in our multi-level marketing business, it's all about helping Canadian families regain control of their kitchen. Number two, we need a clear plan of action to be able to achieve that common purpose. So if you have a family common purpose, a multi-level common purpose, a religious community common purpose, number two is a clear plan of action. So we do it through our VIP groups and you know we have all the specifications, the specs, I call it in there. Number three, we've need, we need as a group, our community stay within our circle of influence. How do you keep your family within the circle of influence? Not to be informed, but not inundated by the news. To be informed, but not inundated by the, the, the COVID around us. Okay, so staying within our, our, our circle of influence. Know what we can and what we cannot do. And number four, sticking together. Together we are better. Like right now in a multi-level marketing business, the only reason we are the only ones expanding and growing in the world is because we stick together. Everything we do is about minimum four, five, six people coming together to put something together. I think about tonight's meeting and tomorrow night's meeting. Melanie, it's like you're looking at 20 people, you know, that between the posters, the videos, the, the 18 putting it together. So stick together. All four are essential for success in all walks of life. Make it a habit to work as a community. If you find yourself working alone, I need you to remember this podcast. You're not going to build something great by working alone. Each member has different strengths. And I want to give you an example that no members need to be disregarded. One of the things Mohammed and I have been known for in 40 years, we have never fired anybody. With all the employees that we have hired, we have never fired anybody. We just, re we just repositioned them, but never fire anybody. Or we, we lessen their, 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 their tasks and just hire somebody else to offload. Because every time you fire somebody, you're getting negativity sent your way. You're leaving people feeling a sour. And this, in the long run, will cost cost a lot more money. And everybody has a purpose. I remember Sylvain Vallée who passed away. Remember Sylvain Vallée? He was a, um, a, a challenged individual with, with you know, um, I, I, help me, how do you say properly? Uh, mental, because I, 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 I have old fashioned ways of describing 
people, so I need to adapt to the new way. Melanie, Sylvain Vallée, mentally um, challenged? Yeah, he, he had mental difficulties. Yes, motor difficulties, and he was part of my life for 25 years. He was our, our mascot. He brought joy. He brought kindness. He was so funny. When nobody got my joke in the room, I could have counted on Sylvain to overlap my, my, my stupid joke, okay? So everybody adds value, is understanding this as a leader, and the four steps guarantee a favorable break in the long run. See, they are the steps that converge dreams into reality. They help us master fear and master discouragement. And they help us to stay relentless, to stay consistent, and to stay persistent regard, regardless of all the no's. I mean, how many times, guys, a lot of you work with me, we would have thrown in the towel if it weren't for the community, okay? Only together, that mastermind, those little masterminds we create within the community, we are Lady Yama community. We are growing strong and fast because we work together and no one is disposable. No one is disposable. Tomorrow, please don't miss the podcast. We're going to talk about the abstraction and how it's killing us and how to manage it to so that we can grow strong as individual. Melanie, I love this book. Marie-Pierre, I love this book. Thank you, everyone, and I hope you got as much out of it as us. All right? Love you guys. See you, some of you, tonight and others tomorrow. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you.